What does Colgate mean by live life to the brightest? Could it be a rich glass of red sipped inside a Parisian cafe on a snowy night when my gaze is met by a tall, mysterious... I mean, brushing is directed with Colgate Optic White Pro Series Toothpaste gives you a visibly whiter smile in just three days so you can live life to the brightest and finish that glass without worrying about teeth stains. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. Hey, movie fans, Dimitri Panos here for Popcorn Talk Network's Anatomy of a Movie, where today, well, listen, if you haven't figured out how to train your dragon yet, it's the third movie, The Hidden World. That's what we're going to be talking about today. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Anatomy of a Movie. And welcome, movie fans, again. It's Dimitri, Popcorn Talks Anatomy of a Movie, where today we talk about the decade-old franchise or series, I want to call it series, How to Train Your Dragon, which is capping off How to Train Your Dragon 3, The Hidden World, Soaring to New Heights. And of course, my lovely co-host, we've been doing this for 100 years Marissa Serafini, hey! Feels like, hello everyone. Hey, easy. (laughs) (laughs) I'm your host, Marissa Serafini, yes. I'm excited to talk about this. Just as as excited as we were to talk about it for uh, How to Train Your Dragon 2, back when we used to be in a house, believe that or not. It's been years. It's been a few years, and we covered the second one for the anime movie. Are you kidding me? I know know we covered the second one, but it was was back... me, Phil, and Sarah Stratton. Recovered oh the my second God, one. That's that was how, at the house. Like, yeah, we've been here for years. No, I know. It just. It's. I know we covered the second one. Holy cow! Yeah. Holy Toledo! And now well, we're here. And now we're here for the third. How to train your dragon? And I always say, when you take your time, do it right. You get oh, good yeah. results. So, uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are a show that really takes a deep dive into the movie. It's not your normal, regular review show. We talk about um, uh, plot points. We talk about twists, if there are any. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will talk about production. We'll talk about writing. We talk about every aspect, the collaborative effort to what it took to get the movie up on screen, meaning we have spoilers. So if you haven't seen this movie yet, uh, put us on pause, go see the movie, uh, and then come back and watch. If you have seen the movie, you're welcome. If you haven't seen it and you just want to watch to see if it's it might be something, maybe we sway your opinion. Uh, maybe you haven't, you haven't seen, seen the first any two. Of them. So you should put us on pause and go back to number one. Absolutely. Um, but we just want to let you know, first and foremost, that it is a spoiler heavy. Uh, and as we start off with every show, we talk, uh, we, 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 we give our opinion, which we value opinion, even yeah. yours. So, Marissa, what did you think of? How to Train Your Dragon 3, The Hidden World. Okay, not going to lie, super excited about this. It was the <clears throat> my most anticipated film so far of 2019 because mm-hmm. they've been promoting this film forever. Always been a fan of the How to Train Your Dragon films, even since the first one. Um, you remember how excited I was for the second one, so equally excited for this one. Uh, and I'm so glad it it, it just wrapped up everything so nicely. It There was emotional beats at the end. And I'm like, damn it, the last 10 minutes. Um, just as a fan, and I'm an adult, you know, no. watching this film. And so uh, it really resonated well with me. 
visually striking as always. Storylines, it's great to see characters grow in real time over the course of 10 years. So we see where all these characters are now. And I I just, I've literally enjoyed the entire Dragon Ride this whole Mm -hmm. time. And I'm so glad it finished strong for a third film too. Yeah, Yeah. I I agree. I think... um, I think we're really fortunate now uh, as moviegoers, as movie lovers, that um, the art of animation um, and, and, and much thanks to Pixar, uh, the, that a movie like How to Train Your Dragon 3, a third in a series, right? And it's so rare that the second a in a series, series yeah. right, a theatrical series, it's hard for sometimes the second movie to be good, which it was. And then to make a strong third entry is very difficult, too. However, I think this series is as Pixar as non-Pixar that it is. It really, again, it showcases the medium of animation and the power that animation can have as a storytelling tool. And we've been fortunate the past year. We've had Spider-Man into the Spider-Verse, right? Takes another leap and, and uses animation. Of course, Pixar is around forever. We already know how good they are. And there's a lot of animated studios out there. But I think the How to Train Your Dragon and what DreamWorks has accomplished within a decade is they've really made each movie individual where each character has had their arc, but yet the three movies have a beautiful, wonderful through line. There's a maturity to the characters. They not only arc in each of their films. They their dragons arc, arc too. Absolutely. That's what I really loved about this movie. This is, you know, this is really a, a hiccup in Toothless this is their story. Mm-hmm. This wraps things up beautifully. And I felt that it was it was beautifully told. Uh, I think from a film perspective, it was it seemed to have been filmed as if it were live action to me. I thought some of the flight scenes were breathtaking. Uh, I saw it in an AMC Prime in 3D, and it was gorgeous in 3D. I'm sure. The colors popped, the swirls of the clouds. It was really well done. Um and it had so much heart, and there were there were stakes involved. Um, we'll talk about there were some characters I wish were in it a little bit more, but everybody contributed. But ultimately, being that it is Hiccup and Toothless, it was their story, and I felt that it was. I felt that if this is the last How to Train Your Dragon movie, which I'd be okay if it is, because they've ended on an extremely high note. And no, I completely agree. And I remember doing the research for the second <clears throat> one when we talked about it, where. Uh, the director, you know, Dean, he, he, when he pitched this film, he originally pitched it for three films, and mm-hmm. that was it. And the, which I remember us saying, that's a really ballsy move for a director to already pitch three solid films before the first one even came right. out. And now when we get, now looking at the end product of all three, you're like, yeah, he really had a vision, and he really executed it, saw it through throughout all these 10 years. Absolutely. And and this is w- like the perfect example to see a a great executed franchise when given the time and the creativity. Compared to not just to put a film out for a franchise say to make money and to have return, but this was for the passion and for the characters that grew up and people who grew up with these characters right. really. Um, this is how you properly execute a franchise. Mm-hmm. That doesn't say Hey, we put this out just for money. No, we right. put this out for love. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And they really took a page from like the Pixar book where 
story, 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 story. Let's let's iron out the story. Where are we going to go with these characters? And that, to me, once you're getting hooked into this story, this is unlike a lot of a lot of other animation that we see. You can tell is purely put out for kids, which mm-hmm. is fine. Right. I get it. They're very successful um, characters that can't talk and do it. I get it. That's fine. Works. But when you push the medium to use it in a way to tell good stories that kids, when they grow up, they'll see the movie again and look at it differently. Adults uh, can walk away going, hey, I just saw a really good movie. Wow. What amazing themes were, were, were tackled and talked about. And it had the heart that we, that, we, that, that we become accustomed to to get out of a Pixar movie. And that's, to me, it's amazing when I can walk out and think each movie was as strong, if not a little bit stronger than the preceding one. And I walked out and I felt good. And it had a resolution. We're, we're going to talk about the ending because it could have ended one way and I would have been okay. But I'm really glad as to how it eventually, how it actually ended. Yeah, same, and, same. And and we're, I want to talk about that because some people could have an argument. Oh, it should have ended this way, but I'm glad it ended the way it did. Be- and throughout the whole movie, really, the relationship between Hiccup uh, and Toothless is what it's all about. There is an amazing poster or like billboard or bus shelter that shows Hiccup holding Toothless's head, and he's, like, nuzzling his head against him. There's a billboard that's literally outside this building that I keep walking by. I'm like, it's amazing. And that... It shows their love between each other. And it sums up... (sighs) It sums up the heart of the movie. It does. It really does. And uh, so, yeah, obviously the both of us, we can say... (laughs) We are grown adults who love these characters. But it was really good. And, And again, you know, I think where the second one really took off, too is from a cinematic style. I think it looked even better than the first one. And it had these cinematic elements, especially when you had a gentleman, a a, a well-noted, famed cinematographer, Roger Deakins, right? Yeah, Deakins. Did the cinematography (laughs) for two. He comes back here as like a consultant for three. But it makes all the difference in the world Mm -hmm. when you're taking your subject matter so seriously and the look of this film, the action sequences, they come off like live action sequences. There's there's a there's a look, the lighting, the shade, everything about this movie really draws you in. But your main two characters, it's their relationship and the trials and tribulations. Like, yeah, it's their friendship, and it's great. Yeah, it's and wonderful. but the great thing also about. This film is like, <clears throat> yes, we're always rooting for a hiccup and toothless, but also you're rooting for even the side characters too. Sure. That aren't the main leads. And like, you're rooting for Asher, and you see literally the whole town grow and the personalities change from the first one to the second one to this one. We see the what started off of resistance towards dragons is now on uh, this unbridled passion for the dragons that yeah. they don't want to let them go. Yeah. Where in the first movie, they were literally killing the dragon. Right. So it, you see just the growth, not just of Hiccup and Toothless, but in a, an entire community. You do. And that's where just as us, the audience, we're also part of that. Like, no, we love the dragons too. Yeah, we don't want to see them go. It's a maturity. 
It is. It's um, growth. It, it is. It's growth. And that rarely, rarely ever happens uh, in these movies. And just to give an example, right? So you had the first Cars movie. The second movie, yeah. not so good. They, 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 they come back with Cars 3, right? But it would have been nice to have a strong second movie. The Toy Story franchise has done a wonderful job uh, of maturity. However, our characters in Toy Story can't physically mature because they're toys, right? right? But from an emotional standpoint, they get it. It's good. This movie has done a fantastic job of seeing the characters not only emotionally mature, but physically yeah. mature. He's not the There's same. There's growth. Yeah. There's growth over and the years. It's quite amazing that the detail that they put into the animation to see that growth. And to your point, you know, I mean, Hiccup is now leader. Uh, he's chief, yeah, he's which chief. is great. Um, maybe getting married. I love yeah. the whole relationship Toothless aspect, Toothless is alpha too. now. So, so they're both already in a position of authority now. Yeah. Because you see the, the first one, uh, <clears throat> Hiccup was just, you know, that, that angsty teenager just trying to find himself. This In the second movie, he ultimately becomes chief but like he steps into a role a leadership and this one he's already there right so and then again with the with the growth and, it, and it's cool to see just him growing and from the first one being a person who didn't even have confidence in himself to now right. confidence where an entire town yes. looks to him as a leader even though he's younger than everyone it, right. he's just also in a different mindset. He is, uh, but he's also a leader that if he makes a mistake, he cops to the mistake. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I went in there uh, with some overconfidence. That won't happen again. You know, I took, I, I was overconfident in squaring off against our, our main baddie. Grimmel. Uh, uh, and um, so, uh, yeah, I really appreciate that. And again, I, th- I think from when you single each movie out, there is a character arc that happens to each character, but I just love as a whole these three pictures. There's really a maturity through each of the movies that ends with this movie quite nicely, and it's all earned, mm-hmm. very well earned, uh, and voiced just wonderfully by our voice talent as well. So um, the production on this one, as you said. Now, did you ever read these books? Actually, no, I didn't because admittedly it was not my generation. Like it came out when I was older, right? Um, so and I never actually went back to read them because I I enjoyed the movies so much that I was like, you know what? I'll enjoy the movies for what they are, and I'll let the books be what they are. And usually I'm on the purist. I was like, I'll go back and read the books, but I like the films I really, just as they are. I, I you know I'm I'm with you 100. percent I uh, and I didn't realize they were books. Um, I knew there were books from the yeah, first one. Yeah, I, I didn't know that. And um, you watch the first movie and you go, oh, wow, this is this is really good. Um, and like you, I just said, I, I don't think I need to read these books. Um, and then you see the second one and you're wowed. And it's <laughs> like, no, I, I love the cinematic experience. I'm not taking away from reading. I, I love to read. But I've really enjoyed having this cinematic experience in taking the adventure with these characters on the big screen. Um, so, and I don't watch the TV show, which from what I understand is extremely popular. Yeah, there's the TV and, animated series. <clears throat> and um, there were a few TV made movies also that like are available on the streaming platforms too. So if you, so in like, I believe those fill the gap from movie to movie mm-hmm. to movie. But, and also there are 
TV movies that were so-called prequels to right. these awesome yeah. movies. So you you watch the those side movies and episodes to fill in the gaps between these theatrical releases. Yeah, and it's all synergistic in the way in which it's 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 building a world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what a beautiful world. What a fantastic gorgeous world. Viking world. I wouldn't uh, mind living this there. This is it, it's it, and and again our cast of characters led by the great Jay Burchell. Burchell. Yeah. You know, it was such a great find to make him uh uh hiccup He's great. He's been really a great voice talent for these folks for uh, uh, for Hiccup, and he's done such a great job. I, I think for these past ten years, he has matured as an actor, but yet mm-hmm. he's still able to find the heart of Hiccup, and that's amazing. He's never forgotten him, and I love the world building that has happened with his character. Uh, you know, so yeah, it's him and America Ferrera and Chris Freeman's Plus are the only ca- actors to who kept reprising their roles um, in both the movies and the TV yeah. series. So he's been with Hiccup since the beginning yeah. until the end. So you got to just applaud him as an actor sticking with your character for so Absolutely. long. Absolutely, and America Ferrera as well. Right, and uh, even he says, uh, you know, he, he reflected upon the 10-year the decade, and he says, right. in addition to the three movies, I've done seven or eight years of the TV show, I played this character through hundreds of hours and over 10 years. Most people work their whole lives and are never lucky enough to be part of something that's half as impactful um, as any of these movies, let alone all of them. It's a pretty special thing. So, like, and I'm glad that he has that humbleness to realize this is <sighs> such an impactful character in his life as an actor. As an actor, and he's embraced it. Sometimes an actor, like, they'll do the movie, but they're not going to have any part of doing anything on TV, but he did. He mm-hmm. has, as well as the other two. Now, uh, Merga Ferreira is Astrid, yeah. another character who, like, these characters are so likable, but another one who's had an arc, who has matured. And even though our character Hiccup is matured and, and leader of the clan, you know, she's pushing him towards re- a more serious relationship, which is both poignant in this story, but it also leads to some good laughs mm-hmm. as well. Uh, and I think America Ferrer is perfect for Astrid. She's I think, great. I mean, she is great, and she is just a good female woman actress now um, that's currently in my generation. She's only a few years older than me. Right. So I have literally have watched America's career basically my entire life. I've watched her grow on sure. screen, not just with this, her character, but just her as an actress <clears throat> from... Movies, television, you know, Ugly Betty to now um, Superstore in this movie and like in everything in between that she's done. I've seen it. Yeah. Like I am just a fan of her. And she also has the same sentiment with her characters. She says, I wanted to see the girl kicking butt. And that's what I love about Astrid. Yeah. She kept and Astrid is a kind of revolutionary, you know, female woman who's not only just stands beside hiccup throughout all mm-hmm. these years he she pushes him in the best right. ways he, yeah she pushes him to be the best leader that he can be absolutely like and a it's good a good woman should and it's a really great relationship that is really built uh within the series and again it it is as much heart as you know the relationship between hiccup and toothless um so and you need that that relationship um uh, 
which helps carry the movie through and carries the theme of love and support, as you just mentioned, which mm-hmm. is great because it can come from all shapes or sizes, as How to Train Your Dragon shows you. So, um, yeah, it's it's just amazing to me, too, that, again, story, story, story. Mm-hmm. And when you work on a movie, when you work on a series that's a decades old, right, uh, Dean Dublat talks about all these permutations of ideas and script and working on storyboarding and then looking at the storyboards and going, it's not paced right. Yeah, let's change like, let's that. Let's change this. And and again, it's it's similar to a way, because we've talked a lot about Pixar movies and, and, and the other Disney animators like a Zootopia, right? Not, and so it is about how do we refine what's the heart of the story? And they really take all the years between movies. What's it been since How to Train Your Dragon 2? It's been five years? No. Wait. 2014. Yeah. yeah, about five years. Four years. Four, four or so years. Yeah. It, it, that, they've had four years. We're not going to put out uh, a crappy movie just to end the series that way, just to make money. We want to do it. Exactly. We want to. This is the example of having actual time to create a full fleshed out Mm -hmm. story. Right. So and and I like how they will always refine where Dean will refine message, concept, emotions, and they take the time and care to 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 iron that out, uh, work with their voice talent and then their animators, um, which is fantastic. Fantastic. We'll get into the animation. (laughs) Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, so, and being that it's like ten ten years, Dean just has to go. Oh, actually, all of it. Well, but the director, who's the driving force between this, at the end of it all, he's just got to go, huh? And I'm sure there's, I'm sure there's a catharsism about it, a cathartic right. release. But at the same time, it's got to be. I love these characters. Right, and ten years is quite the undertaking. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, but like you have to applaud what he has managed to do successfully in ten years. Yeah, to create a, an entire franchise, an mm-hmm. entire series, because it's not just the movie he worked on. He worked right. on you know the television show also. So I, I liked how you can have that one director who just shows his passion in the one thing and, to put like a stamp on his career. And the other thing too, uh, tell me if you agree with this. I like the fact that he's involved through all of it because it's a through line. It's a continuity, not just mm-hmm. in the story, but in its creative aspect. So these people keep things moving, but they take time for the continuity because they're so familiar with it. And so they, too, are going along with the continuity and they add. I think it just adds to why the cinematic series of How to Train Your Dragon has worked so well. Mm-hmm. I mean, do you agree with like, by having the same creatives on board, like Dean and overseeing this stuff? Because you, we've seen it in other franchises where you can definitely tell someone else came in and changed things. Right. And when you watch all these, all three of these movies, which I did actually in a week, I uh, watched, made my boyfriend watch the first two. I was like, oh, we're watching the third one. You don't have a choice. And uh, so I did watch all three in quick succession, and. It's so consistent throughout, like the look and the vision, the characters, 
there's not a big change anywhere where you can tell, oh, this is where the director or the producer came in and changed everything. Right. It didn't change the tone. It didn't change story. So when you do watch them consecutively, back to back to back, it is a consistent vision. Yeah, and, and, and to DreamWorks' credit, they let him be. To an extent. You know what I mean? Like they should because they they're successful. Right. They, and, he knows what um, he's doing. We always hear about studio interference. Mm-hmm. Um, but they, 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 they let him go along with his vision and that it worked out. I'm sure there was input. There always is. Mm-hmm. But it didn't seem like it interrupted or disrupted the production of this series, particularly of this movie. No. No. So, um, and that's what I really like. Should we... I'm I'm torn. I'm going to let you do we because I really want to talk about the endings and I want to talk about the animation. So we could talk about the storylines. Okay, you want to talk about the story? All right, let's talk storyline. All right, so the movie has an ending where Hiccup and Toothless say their goodbyes. Yeah, and it ultimately leads to a goodbye. Yeah, because. Toothless, uh, Hiccup You're understands. All choked up well, now thinking about it. Hiccup, yep. Hiccup understands that for Toothless to grow, he has to be more among his kind because they found this hidden world of dragons, mm-hmm. and he Oasis can't stay. Know, yeah, and for the dragons to stay in the human world <clears throat> could unnecessarily put dragons in peril because they would always be fighting for their lives. Because if it wasn't for uh, Grimmel. Somebody else is going to come along. Right. Something, something will happen. And and uh, Toothless has found a mate of his own, <laughs> which yeah. all that courtship was awesome, right? The and Light the, Fury. There the is a reason fury. why I'm wearing white. Is that it? Yes. The Light this Fury. This was a visual choice. It's like, I'm going to represent awful. the, the <clears throat> Light Fury. Can you, like, fly and poof in a circle and disappear God, like I we wish. see? Yeah. It was, and that's the other thing too. We introduced Did new characters. Did she just disappear? Yes. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. So, awesome. and, I, and I like the introducing <laughs> of it, the female version of of Toothless because yeah. we've seen like such a hiccup and Toothless. We've seen like a male dominated dominated characters right. in this film, which is totally fine. But to add the female, and you, you always see it with like birds or just different like, sure. animals of their own kind in the animal kingdom, and you see. The, the male has these certain type of personalities and roles, and then the female does this, like lions. Right. Females are the ones who hunt, and the males are the ones who just sit around and mm-hmm. do nothing. You know, <laughs> so like you, you see that the like the different roles when you get the dragons yeah. in, when you get the life area, and you see the different skills that she has that toothless doesn't have. You're like, oh, that's freaking cool, it it, it especially, was... and it keeps it still fun and original. <clears throat> Having watched that for 10 years, you're still seeing new things, new Absolutely. personality and character traits. Yeah, and that's that's one aspect that really got into this because she still is a fury, but there can be a little bit different. I love the courtship of it all. And as we were saying, towards the end, so we have Astrid and Hiccup, Toothless, and did we get a name for Light Fury? If we did, I forget. No, the Light but, we'll, Fury. We'll call her the Light Fury. Or the Bright Fury? The Bright Fury. No, the Light yeah. Fury. Yeah, yeah yours is probably bad. better. <laughs> that was really funny dialogue. So, and they have to say their goodbyes. Mm-hmm. It's like, Toothless, you know, I want the best for you. And the best is for you to go to your world with the Light Fury. And I'll always be here 
you'll always be in my heart. And they have a great moment and Toothless flies away. And now look. And it's heartbreaking. It's legitimately heartbreaking. It is. I and, had people next to me like blowing clean, into their Kleenexes, like tears everywhere. It is. Everyone and, was and, crying. And here, so as heartbreaking as it is, it was still it still left on a positive note because you know that they would always be in each other's heart. I mean, I hate it when movies when you have to have a breakup like that, it's like, why? Why can't you just work something out? <laughs> like, you guys are like, you know, it would be like saying goodbye to your dog or your pet. Like, mm. how do you do that, it's right? The worst. But I was like, okay with it. Because here we are, that Hiccup is going back to his village. He has his new wife. He has his new family. He has his new life. His new life and responsibility. Toothless has his new life. Yeah. and And you're like... Okay, I get it. This is how you're going to leave me. But then we get an epilogue. And it's say 10. (laughs) Listen, I was like, this is how it's going to end. This is how it's going to end. I get it. But then I loved, loved, loved how we got that epilogue, which takes place what was it? A decade after? Probably ten years. It seems because the kids are still really young, right? So you can imagine it's probably within ten-ish years. Yeah, and they go back to this hidden world, and Toothless is there guarding the mm-hmm. hidden world, and he comes on board their Viking ship. But the ships were great. <laughs> yeah, right. And the kids were there, and then once Toothless recognizes, he's sense he smells his 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 previous like master mm-hmm. it's all like oh and then teach the kids it's like no 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 don't be afraid mm-hmm. and the kids put up their hand that to me the emotional beat and they're f- freaking amazing amazing and even toothless has his kids too yes, like oh freaking hey, there's little furies <laughs> But I was like, oh, so adorable. I guess one but thing- the great, like the great message about the epilogue is like, yes, it it resonates because and it hits hard because everyone has had to say goodbye to something that they love or someone that they love. But just the message at the end that even though they're not in your life now, you can oh, they can always come back or you'll meet up with them again and it'll still be like it was. Back then, and, like, and it'll be the way it was. You know, we didn't we didn't specify the stakes of of toothless leaving because it wasn't just toothless; it was every dragon on uh, what is it, Becker, Burke. Burke. Burke? Every dragon of Burke left had to leave. Everyone in the town had to part with had their to dragon. part with their dragons, including Astrid, who had a great mm-hmm. who had a great relationship with her dragon, and to see the family. To see the families flying together again and playful and knowing and and the little words at the end. It's like, okay, so the world may not be ready for dragons, but we're going to start and maybe someday they will um, because they're great. And it left on such a great high note, such a great message. And some people just say, well, it didn't need to like cheat the high note. I say, I'm glad it did. Yeah. I'm really happy it did. It was, to me, it was, if you're going to wrap up a series, that was a perfect way to do it. Right. And I like how they wrapped it up that way with the epilogue because it also just let the audience know that they're okay. Yeah. Like, they're both, um, Toothless is safe, 
guarding the the dragons yep. like he's okay he grew up he started his own family he's happy and same same with hiccup yeah. he's fine you know so just seeing them together and knowing that like they still had good lives past the relationship and they had is a good kids. message too. i like meeting their family albeit for five minutes but like, that's it's that's great. all you need <clears throat> all you need and you and it's like when the kids now have exposure to the dragons too that's just the next generation of right. dragon riders what yeah i mean dreamworks well <laughs> again i would say like i would argue like it's not that i necessarily need more train your dragon movies i, I felt that the way that this ended was that the kids will always have this ex- they're, both their kids are always going to have this experience between right. human and dragon, right? And they'll go back every now and then. Um, but I just thought it was such a solid ending. It was very heartfelt, very emotional. It was very earned. I didn't think it was cheap. I didn't think it was very. Ta- I didn't think it was tacky at all. No. I walked out of the theater going. It was necessary. I felt it. Yes, for, it was. <laughs> I, it, it was. I mean, again, I would have gone with the. The more of the quote unquote downer kind of an ending. I go, okay, I understand. And then you leave in your head. There's always, you know, you can imagine that they're never going to forget one of one of one another. It's better when you can visually see that they don't have to forget one another. They can just see each other. And it's been ten years, mm-hmm. and them flying through the sky again, and Astrid on her. Dra- it was, it was, yeah, everything's it was okay. Great. It was great. It was a nice. It was wrapped up in a beautiful, wonderful bow. Mm-hmm. And if they don't make any more dragon movies, I'm fine because this ended perfectly. And it really set the tone for the entire series for me. Yeah. Anyways. No, I, I completely agree. I don't want to keep re- repeating. But yeah. again, it is <clears throat> the best way to end like a relationship that we root for so long. Sure. I'm glad I, they I, went I that was, way. I'm glad they well went that way. So, um,. Well, let's talk about how they brought these these wonderful characters to life. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about DreamWorks Animation launching this moon ray and revolutionizing shadows and light and death fear. Yes. You know. Um, so yeah. So what do you what do you have to share? The the moon ray. Okay. <clears throat> so for people who don't know, the the moon ray is a was. Uh, is a program that allowed them to render um, the digital files single frame in real time. Mm-hmm. For So to put it in layman's terms, it made the rendering process of the film go faster right. than the average speed and the average time it actually takes to render humongous files such sure. as this one. And let's... And let's, and let's um just to give you a point of reference of what she's talking about. So there are some parts of Hidden World where there are more than 100,000 digital files for one frame of film. One frame. So, and it's all undertaken by an on-site processor um, at the DreamWorks campus, which houses 48,000 processing Processing cores. (laughs) That's a lot of cores. I can't. And Dean Dean, the director, actually said uh, because technology has advanced so much in the last 10 years, and we see it in these films, where their first film, How to Train Dragon 1, they couldn't have more than eight dragons in a scene or else the system would crash when they were rendering. And now, 
with the advancement of technology, when we even get to the hidden world, we have over 100,000 dragons. So that just shows how much the technology can process things faster, more efficiently, at a better rate. Right. Going from eight dragons to over 100 plus yeah. thousand um, just really shows the, the pixels and just the colors and all the the file inputs that they're processing all I know. the time. That's crazy. And, and um, yeah, I mean, just from the opening shot of the Vikings, the, the new village with the very colorful spires where the dragons were hanging out. I mean, mm-hmm. right there like was a striking image that if you compare it to the first film. They could have never done that. Right, no. First film was just like a, a go- nah, I shouldn't say a ghostly town, but it was just like a, a town with a lot of grass. It was calm at some right. points until the dragons right. showed up. So, yeah, and, and just a little uh, a little other background, too, regarding the, the this moon ray. So it calculates light as it is in the real world. Mm-hmm. Mirroring how shapes bounce off of fabrics and surfaces, and it injects billions of light rays into a scene and gives sense to light and shadows based upon the path that light they naturally, naturally take. take. So, and what's cool about that, just going back to earlier when I was talking about the movie is filmed as a live action movie. This Basically, is the stuff. Be. Well, when you think about it, this is stuff that happens when you're filming live action, like the way that life. That that light will bend off of something or bounce off of something. They're creating it. And again, when you watch the movie, you can tell the painstaking the effort for the detail to happen. Whether a dragon's flying through a cloud or going from dusk to dawn or whatever. It's, it's or even better. entering the hidden world. Yeah. The colors leg- legitimately and literally change on screen. Right. Going from like the, the normal flatter colors that you see in real world and then when you get transported into the hidden world, into the dragon world, the the scales change, the light change, the the mushroom pores and stuff, right. colorful change. Like the the clothes change on on the characters, you right. know. So like visually it just gives us a sense that this is a different world when the yeah. color scheme is different too. Right. Absolutely. And 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 <laughs> the ironic thing about it is when 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 Hidden World was in pre-production, uh Moonray wasn't ready to go. <laughs> it wasn't ready. They were worried it's it like, wasn't hey, going to be done for oh, no. <laughs> but we got this. It's like well, more storyboards <laughs> take out, but push the I'm release date. <laughs> push the release date and you know, I'm glad, mm. and, and, and it really is great. You know, you have to, again, I, I'm going to go back. You have to, whether you liked this movie or not, and, and the movie I'm referencing is Avatar, you have to give it credit for what it was able to create as a completely imaginative world. built world. Because since then, we've seen a lot of other similar types, and I think How to Train Your Dragon Hidden World here very much had the, that that palette, but it made it its own, and it was beautifully bright, and you loved all the dra- The dragons have their own physical personalities. Mm-hmm. Outside of the regular personalities, physically, they each you could pick out each dragon, and that, that too, uh, means a lot because they are their own characters. Yeah. They're not carbon, they're not copied and pasted. Yeah, and the great thing about the hidden world is that you, when you enter it, you can literally see this is paradise. This is an oasis. This is a safe haven right. 
for the dragons. We got that because right. I mean, we definitely understood that this is a safe world for the dragons to be in. So all the dragons should be here. It makes mm-hmm. sense that the, all the dragons oh, absolutely. come here. And the other thing that it afforded um, this Moonray, it afforded the, the the creatives was they had a they were able to change their workflow so that multiple departments could simultaneously work on a problem together. Like, mm-hmm. so it wasn't like, oh, we got this file. Let's bring this over here. It allowed everybody to, it, it was all about the collaboration. And it allowed for really real-time out, uh, collaboration, which is fantastic, I think. So uh, what else do you have for us? Yeah, well, the- some interesting things. So, uh, like, like I said, the first movie had eight dragons or the it would crash. But there were over more than 65,000 dragons in <laughs> one shot. Of the hidden world, only that's just one shot, not compared to the the other ones. They had uh, a mind-boggling sixty-eight million mushrooms, <laughs> and seventy-nine million corals, and over one thousand and ninety-seven unique prop assets, and seven hundred fifty-six nails in Hiccup's house. That, so that's just crazy. The little details. That's not even the dragons. That's right. just the, the the environment. Environment. Yeah. And it, you know, and Crazy. I always, whenever we talk about animation like this, I always go back to Zootopia when we were talking about Zootopia. trees and the right? fur <laughs> and the fur, painstaking so, um, fur. And the other thing that was really great that this um, that this moon ray is able to do um, was the photorealistic fire. Fire, yeah. <clears throat> which was fantastic, and it really did look photorealistic. Yeah, they used reds, yellows, orange lighting rather than creating actual fire renders. They they took those colors and mimicked uh, the the movement and threw different light techniques in it and saw that the light, how it reflected, it would, so when you play it back, it would shimmer and move around like fire. I'm going to go as far as to say that, especially the dragons, especially when they were in battle and, and fire breathing, it, they were, I thought, as impressive as what you get on Game of Thrones for a dragon. Actually, and we Game see, and we see in this, in the How to Train Your Dragon, you see like thousands of dragons. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it really is just amazing what they were able to create, um, and with this new technology that will only get better too with other movies. Yeah, and I like when we do cover the animation because we've covered movies for a long time now. Right. And and we're always talking about the the movies that had the revolutionary program. Like we had this one with Moonray, we right. had Zootopia with all the fur, we had uh Big Hero 6 with all the light right. systems, right. you know. So and I like how when we cover animation there's like what's the next big animated film in the future like we created this program just for this film. And Wreck-It Ralph 2? Wreck-It Ralph uh, was another one. Mm-hmm. Um so animation keeps getting better and better. And I think the most important thing to take away from it, though, is that in the hands of the of the right people who care about story, you, you don't think of this while you're watching the movie. Like, we love to talk about it because we hope you love to hear about it and learn about it, right? Mm-hmm. But as you're watching it, you're just watching this movie, and it just looks fantastic. And that, that to me, too, is is a way... That where animation is a tool to push the medium of storytelling and to give you some amazing stories, and they did such an amazing job. Um, just to give you, too, uh, I have some other great fun numbers. 
Um, so one example of the film's grand s- scale, uh, scene that takes place in the Hall of Burke, where Hiccup and Rally, uh, Hiccup and Astrid rally their people. So we get about 200 characters, right? That, that's fine. So in the one scene alone, there are more than 150 mugs, 200 spoons and bowls, 350 apples. Oh, goodness. 10,000 rocks. And since you were talking about fur and strands, 60,000 strands of hay. Uh-huh. <laughs> So, and at the same time, the camera is following a group of main characters walking through the crowd. Again, this is what, to me, it looked like a live action movie. Um, And it was just fantastic that way. The way that this movie flowed. Um, Yeah. (laughs) So designing 65,000 dragons and 68 million mushrooms. Kudos to these people. Uh, And again, a lot of that too. Roger, Roger Deakins. Um, yeah, and had, one more thing to eye. the animation, which yeah. I, I thought was actually pretty cool, that we see at the beginning of the film, and kind of throughout, where the, <laughs> the dragon riders, their their new formed suits are made of scales right. from the dragons. Yeah. Also, because, you know, just building building the suit, because, like, you have to design that. Right. Um, they're like, how can we make a look that makes their dragon rider look like their dragon so right. what the animators actually did and like actually i find it very brilliant so they went back to the second film right. and all the digital files that they created for the dragons they literally copied all of the files right. pretty much copied and pasted it into the new film on, awesome. onto these characters and just moved the files around and rotated them That's to good. To create a suit. So not necessarily like designing anything. They just repurposed right. the legit same digital files yeah. and moved them around and created a suit. Yep. And that's also, it saved them time too, also in designing. Because they didn't have to recreate just the um, the actual dragon right. itself. It was already created. They just moved the parts around. And the other thing too, I mean, and again, it just goes back. It's like they even admit, we want the audience to be emotionally invested in everything. You don't think about technology supporting emotion in a story, but it really does. Um, but I always think that the that the that the story, yes, technology should support the story, but it shouldn't overtake the story. And this is where these environments looked real; they looked great, and uh, it was just a beautiful movie to watch. Did you see it in three D? No, when I saw it in regular two D. I saw an early <clears throat> screening preview of it because. Okay. Um, and then wasn't available in 3D yet. It was just like, come and see. And I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely, I'm there. Yeah. Um, but I definitely want to go see it again now in 3D because yeah. entering the Hidden Dragon world, I can't imagine what that looked like. Yeah, it was, um, you know, I saw it at, uh, at what AMC calls their prime theater. It wasn't yeah. the Dolby Theater, it was their prime, prime, which is every bit like a Dolby, except it doesn't have the Dolby laser projector, but it's still bright. And, and yeah, the three D <laughs> the three D in this movie was again, it was it was very good. Um we've had two movies uh within the past month. We've had Alita Battle Angel, which looked which I saw phenomenal in three D. And now we have How to Train Your Dragon. And also, speaking of 3D, I actually saw the first How to Train Your Dragon in 3D. And that was the year, 2010 was the year where, like, they just released all the biggest films in 3D. That was, like, revolutionary at the time. They were like, well, Toy Story 3 was also the same year 
in 3D. We had Avatar literally a few months before that because Avatar right. was released in December of 2009. Right. 3D, revolutionary, and How to Train Your Dragon was in March, so literally three months later in 3D. So the, 2010 was the year of the 3D, right. and but watching the dragons fly 3D for the first time back then mm-hmm. was awesome, yeah. and I imagine it's like even kick-ass now. But, and I'm going to say something, though, because... To how to train your dragon's credit, and to the to the creatives behind it, it wasn't cheap 3D. Nope. It was you know it was always strive to be the best. You know, and when Avatar came out, that really set a high bar. And how to train your dragon was one of those few animated movies where the 3D actually uh, uh, expanded the like the levels of the world and and it gave it a great contour and texture and watching this movie in 3D again it was never blurry never got a headache never got sick saw everything it was it was beautifully rendered in that format and i think it really really i, I think it worked really well yeah so. and this is the fourth <clears throat> universal animated film to be produced in the 2.35 to 1 mm-hmm. aspect ratio the other ones Which being is- Tale of Despero, Despicable Me 3, and The Grinch. Yeah. So, you know, one other thing, um, uh, Bonnie Arnold, I believe, who is a producer on this thing, again, it should be no surprise that this woman comes from, she worked on Toy Story, she worked on Tarzan, she worked at Disney. So, again, it it, it, to me, that makes sense, because when you have these people coming over, it's like, well, yeah, you want to make this work. Story, 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 story. Let's figure that out. And mm-hmm. then let the technology come up to meet yeah. our story. Yeah. And then we'll make it work. And I think it was, uh, yeah, I think it's great. Yeah. Really, the really technology good. evolved just like the dragons and characters did. Absolutely. And they did, it in, a, and they did it in a great, great way. So um, now uh, we should talk a little bit about its, um, well, let's talk about, it's reception, it's numbers, it's... I'm surprised uh, you didn't want to talk about the music, but... Yeah. Oh, by John Powell. John Powell. Again, another person who's composer recurring. who's been through all three Please. films. Yeah, and I think that thematically, when you have... This team is now a family. Yeah. Okay. And when you are there from a, from a thematic standpoint, your director knows... How your orchestra, how he's, how your conductor is going to compose this music to fit. I thought the music in this actually was was quite tight. It was really good. It added levels of excitement and flying through battle. And when it took time for the heart, it it was there. Our Viking music was great and original. <laughs> yep. Um, he created a whole new theme song for the Hidden World, and he repurposed a lot of his originals cues but um put more spin on it i guess you can say but they recorded it at abbey road studios in london the third time he's been he he refined it more so john john paul refined his music and uh they they had um actually under like the the recording the recording session the director and the composer reflected through the journey and recorded things live which is great and then they added celtic harp um, S- Scottish players and um, Scottish player Maeve Gilchrist and Eric Whitaker's choir ha- um, did all the choral work for um, 
and then there was bagpipes also. Right. So we we got a lot of that that Celtic traditional music in it as well. But you you get it from right. the first. I was oh. I was listening to both the first and second soundtrack a few weeks ago. Um, oh really? Yeah. It's okay. It's me, an amazing me, orchestral wanna... sound score. Just listen. well, I want to ask scores. you though. Mm-hmm. So. Did you find there was much difference between first, second, and now the third movie? I haven't listened to them as No, as not really. As you, you know how, like, John Williams, he creates uh, his Sweet individual um, scores that are really uh, memorable. Like, you, you, you know the certain score when it's like a Darth Vader score or something. Right. So it's kind of like the same thing. It's like you hear the same nuances and the same notes. Um, but kind of repurposed in a little way, but it's right. still the same music. You and it takes you back to the first one. Yeah, but it's just a little different. It's a little bit more modernized. Uh-huh. And yeah, it's its own spin. Mature. Yeah, and he puts his own spin on his own music. Right, but it doesn't really stray stray that far away from yeah. the original. Yeah, it's a really solid score, and if you see it in a really good theater that has awesome sound. It really pops. Yeah, it really, yeah. really pops. It, uh, and it's something that really adds, I think, to the entire scope of the film. Um, so let's talk a little bit about numbers. Number one, I'm going to throw at the production budget here, which is somewhere around, let's say, $129 million for for production budget. Um, we talked about a movie a few weeks ago that was like $170 million. Um, $129, this movie looked really good. Like for an animated gorgeous. movie. Um, but let's talk about what it's done thus far. So it opened the weekend of February 22nd, right? It came in at number one. and it, As it should have as, been, which absolutely. I said on our other shows. I was like, it's going to be number one. It's going to beat out a little. Now, again, I'm going to point out something. Uh, tracking had the movie at like 35, 45. The movie, the opening weekend, it was $55 million. Mm-hmm. $55 million domestic. Um, thus far, uh, to date, it's over $65.5 million domestic. Here's a number I'm going to blow you away with. Foreign, $217.5 million. That's 76.8% of the entire gross. It's huge so foreign market. Worldwide, we're looking at $283 million total. All in, worldwide. Plus, and it's coming up on its second weekend, so yeah. it's going to even add more to that. And they're already saying in second weekend it'll most likely be the number one number movie one again. again. Yeah. Um, I would go see it. Yeah, time I mean, week. that's incredible. It's a third movie. And incredible. Um, you know, And it also helps that it was consistently relevant with maybe not the adults that would go to the theater to see it, but the kids who are watching it at home on their TVs because they had the TV series sure. and movies in between. Absolutely. And from what I understand, um, they put in certain things that would like be something in How to Train Your Dragon 2 or even into this movie. You know, So there were things in the television show that were leading to certain events that were going to happen, which I find very interesting. Very synergistic world again. Mm-hmm. And and again, when you are worldwide at $283 million, that's not too bad. Somebody likes your movie. Critics like the movie. Yeah. Okay. 92%, I believe, at Rotten yeah, Tomatoes. Yeah, it's like 91, 92%. I checked yesterday. It said 91% on Tater Meter. And audience is 89. So very high for both numbers. Yeah. It, cinema IMDb, scores 7.5. 
8.9 out of 10 cinema scores A. A. I mean. But if you also look back, How to Train Your Dragon, 1 and 2, also A's. Also right. very high score numbers. It is a very consistent yeah. franchise. It's been extremely consistent. Um which, again, is so rare in this business, whether you be live action or animated, mm-hmm. to come out with three movies where its sequels are as good as the original and in some cases better. better. It doesn't happen all the time. You ought to be very thankful that we are that we do have it. And what I love about How to Train Your Dragon, the series really, I, in my eyes, the series got better. Um, and they improved Absolutely. upon themselves. And not that they needed to. They could have rested on their laurels, but they didn't, thankfully. Because I think they, 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 they've they left and they, they've gone out with a lot of style and heart. And to me, that's extremely important. Yeah. And that's just the testament of Dean DeBlas. The, Absolutely. Um, you know, from the get-go, he believed <clears throat> in this series so much that he pitched three films no director does that you pitch one you're lucky to pitch one and they say yes especially if it's animated yeah especially if it's animated so i i wonder what's up next for that guy i mean i will see you can hand him the world and he he would make it beautiful i think i think i'd be uh, okay with it he should take a break a well-deserved vacation go to hawaii right go someplace but also take on the next yeah. Like, you don't have to make it a franchise. Just make another good, solid I'll watch animated film. Knowing that he's a part of it, I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. Because I know that this is a man that, at the very least, I'm going to get a good story out of it. So, um, yeah, he's he definitely gets the basics there. And, and uh, you have to appreciate that. You really, really do. So, um, yeah, we'll see. What's, we'll see what's next for Dean and company. Um, now, do you know, does the TV series end as well? I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not aware. I'm assuming the television series is over. Yeah. Uh, the, well, all the interviews, because I, I actually never followed the, the TV I. series, but apparently it's available on Netflix and, and all that. <clears throat> but the, the actors themselves had to say goodbye to the characters with this third film. This third film wrapped up everything. Right. Yeah. The, the books... The, the TV series, the movies. This film li- literally end-capped everything. Yeah. Well. So, yes. They did really well. Well, they, they all did very well, and, and I appreciate the fact that, that the talent itself remained in the world, even though it changed its medium from going from film to, to, to television, so, so big screen to small screen. I appreciate that they stuck with it. Um, I appreciate Dean DeBlois' Uh, attention to detail and story and character arc. Uh, it's, it makes for an, uh, I think it makes for a fantastic cinematic experience. Um, so I, I think you folks would agree that How to Train Your Dragon is a really good animated series mm-hmm. um, and, a, and, a, and a great trilogy of, of movies that, that, that happens so rarely. Um, I had so, the first two. I'm definitely getting the third one. Yeah, I think they were just advertising... Uh, one of the, uh, some Blu-ray website I go on, they're they're actually selling like the three pack that 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 oh, will include well, right. these two. So. I already have the first two. So yeah, I just need the third. Yeah. So um, so closing thoughts, Marissa. I already basically said yeah, mine. Yeah, like so. we all re- yeah. just reiterate. Um, an amazing series, and I'm glad that I watched like the the whole movie. And it's so fun to see a franchise grow and succeed. 
within all these years. And it's such a perfect execution of how to properly do a trilogy. <sighs> uh-huh. It's like other people can take, <clears throat> you know, notes from this. And I and they've created such a solid film, solid storylines, solid characters that not only kids can enjoy, but teenagers, men, women, all demographics of all ages, of all different races can enjoy this. I agree. One other thing to note, Dean Dubois and company, each movie is its own standalone movie. Like Mm -hmm. the second movie, the sequel here, it doesn't end on a cliffhanger. It is a self-contained beginning, middle, end. The first movie, beginning, middle, end. This one, beginning, middle, end. So it's not like it's great if you see them in the order in which they they came out, but each movie does stand on its own legs, and you don't necessarily need to know what happened before because everything is, I felt, expertly played out for you. Um, It was explained really well. As someone familiar with the movies, you get a better sense of it. But it doesn't leave newcomers in the dark whatsoever if you hadn't seen the second one. Right. And I appreciate How to Train Your Dragon because I know know we're wrapping up. But when the first one came out, it came out at the same year as Toy Story 3. And when Toy Story 3 came out, I was so tired of this franchise already. I was like, ugh. And then when the first one, How to Train Your Dragon, came out, I just felt it was so original. I liked it. I remember ranking... How to Train Dragon 1 above Toy Story 3 oh, that year. Don't at me. But this movie is just, and the storylines are is so original. Yeah. And I applauded it in that sense. So to be original and to keep continuing to grow 10 years later, um, applauds all Well, I, and, I, and I think it's very fascinating that we have a How to Train Your Dragon movie that's out now. And then in a few Toy months, Story we're going to have Toy Story 4. I know. It's very, very interesting. But again, Toy Story 4, not original anymore. And That's no, been but 20 years now. Yeah, yeah. Compared and I'm sure we'll have a lot to talk about when that comes out. Right. Uh, I believe, well, we were together That's for the first... That's actually going on three... Well, yeah. it's 25 years. I mean, the first one, Toy Story 1, came out in 95. So we're, we're going on 25 years. And we weren't around together. We didn't know each other when no. the first How to Train Your Dragon um, was released. No. So sorry, as you know, for the million shows that we do have on... How to Train Your Dragon 2 is there. So you can watch that and then come watch this. Uh, go watch 3 and then come back and watch our dissection. Um, mm-hmm. So, And there are many more movies coming out this year. Uh, Captain Marvel is coming out very, very soon. Um, we, we will have uh, more animated features, live action features. I think we're heading into a really exciting fantastic year of movies again we're heading into the spring movies now oscar season is over now we're heading into spring movies thank god yeah everyone can breathe so um (laughs) in any case well folks thank you very much for for joining us for this wonderful dragon ride it's been a great time. It's been a good time I talking about this I want to see this, this as an actual roller coaster. Yeah. I don't ride roller coasters, but <laughs> I would totally ride this one it's really if they funny. make it into a roller coaster ride. But you never know with DreamWorks Animation and their theme park things. Yeah. So, let's do um, it. Let's do it. Honestly, DreamWorks, I have a lot of ideas. <laughs> well, there you go. That was yes. <laughs> and where you. could DreamWorks <laughs> reach you? If you can reach be. me at Serafini TV. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> That's fantastic. Myself at DMovies1701. And of course, right here in the Popcorn Talk Network's Anatomy of a Movie, also on Meet the Movie Press. Wanted to thank you, the audience. Um, I really have to say, uh, I have to bring this up because when we did Alita, um, we got 
a ton of response. I mean, a, a hell lot. of a lot more <laughs> response than I than I would have anticipated. Anticipated, and for the most part, it was great. I mean, not everybody agreed with what we had to say, or they had something to add. And let me tell you something. I will respond so long as you say something thoughtful. That's not being a bully. Uh, you are entitled to your opinion. We will listen. To, we will read your opinion. I am more happy to write you back, even if you don't agree with anything that I have to say or we have to say here. If you do it in a thoughtful way that makes me read it and I go, huh, I will tell you that was very thought out. I appreciate your time for watching this show because it's your time. And I appreciate if you write us um, again, you just don't need to be mean. And I was very actually people thought things out, and I was like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. So I wanted we appreciate to say thank your you. nice comments. Yeah, I wanted to say thank you for the comments, whether you agreed or disagreed. Um, hopefully, you have some great comments on how to train your dragon. Uh, would love to read them. Uh, we look forward to seeing you next week here on Anatomy of a Movie from the Popcorn Dark Network. Well, we'll see you at the movies. See you later, folks. From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principal.